Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome into the show. It is the Wednesday edition of Scoops with Danny Mac. I'm going to try to get into a lot of Air Comfort Service text line messages. Rhino Shield mic drops as well. We're going to visit with Brian Walden of thecardinalnation.com. Get into what's happening with Major League Baseball. This still is a Major League Baseball town, isn't it? It's still a Cardinals town, even though the Blues won the Stanley Cup. It's kind of a Blues Cardinals town. Definitely not a Rams town. Definitely that, right? We know that for sure. Yeah, they're gone. Could be a college football town if college football does come back, and it looks like it will. Billikins are going to be awfully good next year. We have no sports going on right now, and I'm hoping, praying, we're going to have some semblance of a baseball season. We will see. So, again, the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, Rhino Shield, Mike Drop. We start with baseball. We are in the wait-and-see period. And also, we wait and see with the NHL. Craig Berube is back in town. Some of the players starting to trickle back into St. Louis. And the NBA, they're getting ready as well. Getting alignment with their testing and what the bubble may look like. Brian Windhorst of ESPN. Look, uh, college football athletes tested positive. We saw MLS players test positive. Now NFL players testing positive. I don't think it's a stretch to say that we're going to see NBA players or NBA staff members test positive starting next week. And yet, still no protocol. Now, Look, I understand this is complex, and they are dealing with safety issues, economic issues, social issues. I'm not saying I could do better. I'm just saying the lack of information here is causing some stress, and this deadline is rushing at them. Yeah, it is rushing at them, rushing at baseball, rushing at the NHL. But it does seem like the majority of players, led by LeBron James, say, hey, let's play, and also let's use the platform of the sport for our social issues. I like that idea, too. The commissioner, Adam Silver, made that point as well. Now, let's go to baseball, which is primarily what I talk about on this show. Um, You know, you you, you look at what happened the other night with all the commissioners on. um, Pretty much a disaster, I think, for Major League Baseball. If you're the casual fan and you were just tuning in, you heard Rob Manfred. He said it's a disaster. It was five days after he said it was 100% guarantee that baseball would be back. He said, well, nope, not anymore. Not 100% anymore. Tim Kirchin of ESPN. The owners who clobbered the players in the last CBA basically got it in their minds that we can get anything we want from these players. So we are going to challenge them, divide the union, maybe break the union, and what's turned out is the union has really come together on this. The players are unified as much as they've been in many, many years, and I don't agree with Rob Manfred. I don't think 100% of our owners really want to play the game. I think the players want to play. Both sides are going to have to acquiesce here, but I think the owners misread the union here, and they're now understanding the union is really solid. couple things. Why is this a CBA negotiation? And I've said this a bunch. It's an outlier. Four-month season, not a four-year extension. Don't like that. I understand his point, and Tim is the most upbeat guy you'll ever meet in the media. I don't like that. Four-month outlier of a season. Just get on the field for the fans. $12 billion industry a year ago. And to his point about the owners, reports coming out 
that uh, there's about six owners and various uh, reporters, some of the top reporters in the game saying that six owners don't want to play. Uh, I've been told by my sources that Bill DeWitt is not one of them of the St. Louis Cardinals. He wants to play. He wants baseball for you, the fan here in St. Louis. And it's very important for him to try to do whatever he can to get baseball on the field. Tom Verducci of well, MLB Network, let's hear what he has to say. I think the owners have looked at this issue as a one-off problem. How do we get the sport back on the field out of a pandemic? We've never been in this situation before. It's not easy to solve. Players are looking at this as a multi-year problem. In other words, the CBA is up next year, and they haven't been happy that their wages have not been going up as revenues have gone up. So they've seen this as an opportunity to talk about the macroeconomics of the game. So they're kind of speaking different languages here, and that's why they've been so far apart. But that's the big difference. This is a outlier of a season. And... March 26th, that's a long time ago, man, in our world. Doesn't March 26th seem like five years ago? Times have changed from then. That was a shutdown. We're starting to come out of it. We need sports back. But to his point, you know, you go back to 2016, that was the CBA. And in that time frame from then until now, the players, man, they, they, they've lost in that CBA. But that's on them. So take care of it when the CBA is up after next year, not now. Let's bring in Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com, and I'm going to have a long conversation with him. And, you know, in this segment, I think I'll focus on what's going on with the current state of baseball, and then I want to get into the draft because I I just want to get away to an extent of what's happening now with Major League Baseball, and then I want to talk about the stars of tomorrow because I do think that's interesting. And Brian, welcome into the show. Um, first and foremost, uh, let's just let, let's just do a few minutes on this. W- what do you think is going on right now? And just get your opinion on what's happening with uh, Major League Baseball. Well, I, the pendulum has swung the opposite end for me in the last weekend. When we were last together. The Players Association had countered with a proposed season of 89 games. They stuck to their full prorated share, but they did agree to expanded playoffs, not just this year, but next year as well. And that was an important source of revenue for the owners. So I thought maybe the owners would come back and say, you know, we'll, all right, we'll give you your salary, but we're going to defer it out, which is sort of like how they got around the problem with the draft. And I thought that would close the deal, but it, instead the owners came back with another proposal that looked like the other ones, basically that, you know, 80% of prorated salary, and we knew that wasn't going to fly. And now it's, you know, almost turned personal. The sides aren't talking directly. They're sending out inflammatory letters. And as you mentioned, you know, Rob Manfred appeared uh, publicly in a, in a forum with other commissioners, and he was just completely tone deaf to what's going on. He, he framed it as a, as a labor battle when we saw other commissioners and other sports talk about, you know, the personal aspect and the fan aspect and the importance of finding a way to get their game back, not on the, you know, ticky-tack issues between the two sides, which folks are, you know, completely tired of hearing about. Were you shocked at what you heard with, with Manfred the other night on ESPN? I wasn't shocked because Rob Manfred's a labor lawyer, and that's what he does well. It was extremely disappointing that he didn't talk about the unification of the game and all the things that we all feel, and it was just such a contrast when you heard um, NBA commissioner Adam Silver talk about the issues that the players are feeling, the issues that the fans are feeling, and how they want to find a way to get the sport back. And not from a business perspective, but from a people perspective. And 
it's you know it's just clear that Manfred has lost the confidence, clearly lost confidence of the players, but has also lost the confidence of the fans, and that's a, a terrible position to be in because. Despite the fact he is in reality the commissioner of owners, he is the commissioner of baseball. He's the guy that's supposed to be bringing everybody together. And right now, he's the leader of one side that's tearing it apart. In terms of the union, uh, they're pretty unified. This is about as unified as you see the union. And it's different than 94. It's different than 02. And it is a little bit different, isn't it, than what we saw in 2016? It, It is. And I think that the rise of social media has helped the players get a voice directly to the fans. And so, you know, we're seeing literally campaigns where the players are all saying basically the same thing, which says, hey, you know, we've told the owners, okay, Manfred, you can implement a season at your desire, whatever length you want. Just tell us where it's going to, you know, when we're going to start and we'll be there. And so it's put the pressure back on the owners to say, hey, how do we come up with a plan that everybody will agree to? But that's the problem, as it appears, because more and more reports are coming out that there's a group of owners, whether it be six or eight or ten, whatever the number is, that do not want to play this season, period. And so how can Manfred negotiate a settlement for something that maybe a quarter of his constituency does not want to happen? We saw LeBron James, I mean, have just a a huge voice in the NBA. And, And if he says they're going to play, they're going to play. And I've been saying, who's going to be that voice in Major League Baseball. To me, it's Mike Trout. Mike Trout came out last night uh, when and where. He tweeted that out, and that's been kind of the the rallying cry of Major League Baseball, and a lot of players took notice to that. A lot of uh, people in the game took notice to that. How big do you think that is to have Mike Trout do that in the game of baseball? Well, I think it's big to us as the fans. I don't know if it moved the needle with the owners or not, but, you know, there's a group of players that have been more outspoken over time the Max Scherzers and, and Jack Flaherty's, for example. But Mike Trout has pretty much sat on the sideline back from the time when he expressed concern about the, the virus issues of a month or, or six weeks ago. But, you know, for the best player in the game, the player that should be much more heavily marketed as as the LeBron equivalent in baseball, but isn't, uh, you know, for Mike Trout to say that, you know, it, you know, people should stand up and notice. It's just that I think the owners are so focused on, you know, winning this labor battle that I'm not sure anything the players are going to say or do right now is going to cause them to change their minds. Before I get into a break and then we'll come back and talk about what the draft was like uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals, give me a percentage of what you think if there's going to be Major League Baseball this year. Uh, I would say somewhere between 33 and 40 percent. I feel like it's less likely than before. And for me, it completely uh, hinges on whether the owners are willing to try to find some way to give the players their full prorated share of salary, even if it includes deferrals. And that's a proposal that they haven't made yet. This is 101 ESPN. That's Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. I'm Dan McLaughlin. When we come back, a deep dive into the Cardinals draft, which was a week ago. This is Scoops with Danny Mack. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. This is Scoops with Danny Mac, a Wednesday edition. Brian Walton is my guest from thecardinalnation.com, extensively covering the St. Louis Cardinals, the draft, and the minor league system. And 
Brian, let's start with what was just a week ago, the uh, the Major League Baseball draft. It was only five rounds. The Cardinals had seven picks in the five rounds. And, man, Randy Flores and John Mosellock in the front office, they really went for it. And just give me a, a general sense of what you thought of the St. Louis Cardinals draft. Well, I think what the Cardinals did surprised a number of us in that they took some risk. Their first three picks uh, were all teenagers, 18, 18, and 17 years old, respectively. So high school players uh, who, uh, you know, will need longer to develop but have a higher ceiling than a number of the college players, a typical college pitcher that the Cardinals were sort of known in the past for for taking. So they took some chances, and uh, based on what some of the observers said, they had a very good draft. CBS gave them an A score. Uh, Eduardo Perez, the ESPN analyst who was live, uh, said that he felt that the Cardinals had the best draft of any of the 30 teams. So, you know, of course, the proof will be when they actually finally get on the, the field, which doesn't look like it will be until 2021. But on paper, at least, it looks like while the Cardinals took some chances, they look like some very decent chances. And later in the draft, they filled out with more of the kind of players that you would expect they would uh, to have a very balanced draft considering it was only seven picks. I love the young man that had a commitment to go to Duke. His mother went to Wash U right here in St. Louis. Father, an MIT product. Uh, and this young man had a 3.9 GPA, third baseman. He's a six foot five product, great athlete, big arm. And uh, they think that this kid could be really, really good. Tell us about the first round pick. Uh, yeah, Jordan Walker from uh, Decatur, Georgia, uh, 6'5", 220. What the Cardinals like most about him is that he has big power potential, not only in size, but also in his capability. He was ranked the number two high school prospect in the entire draft, according to Perfect Game, and that included pitchers. So for him you know, to fall to the Cardinals at number 21 was, was a great opportunity for them. He runs a 6'5", 640. Uh, he pitched. So he has that, and he threw a 93-mile-an-hour fastball, so he's got a great arm to play third base where he'll be with the Cardinals. And um, when we had the opportunities immediately to speak to Jordan Walker and his family uh, draft night, I asked him to scout himself, and he basically said, hey, you know, I'm really great at pitches in, but I'm working on my coverage on the outside of the plate because I want to be a complete hitter. Uh, just a very, very impressive young man, as you mentioned, uh, comes from a great family. Uh, the question will be his draft slot money is about $3.1 million. You know, what's it going to take uh, for the Cardinals to sign him? Clearly, uh, it seemed from what he said and what his dad said that their intent is for him to join the Cardinals, but they still have to work out the cash. Would he project as a third baseman at that size, or would they move him to the outfield? At this point in time, uh, folks are saying that he's got the arm. I think his movements will be the key, you know, whether he'll, he'll have the agility necessary. But a guy who runs a 6'5", 640 right now, uh, you know, I, I think based on what we know, little we know right now, uh, the belief is that, yeah, he can stay sick at third. Yeah, and, and when you think about a guy that could be a two-way player and he's got a big arm like that, they, are, are you talking about him just exclusively being a power hitter? And when you're 18, do they even think about putting him on the mound that early in a career, or is he just exclusively <clears throat> a position player? No, uh, they're saying that Walker is going to be a, uh, a hitter only, a third baseman only. But their second pick, uh, Mason Wynn, is a guy that they believe can be a two-way player. So he may be the first uh, two-way player that, you know, formal one that comes up through the system. And the interesting thing about Mason Wynn is that he is a shortstop. So he plays at, you know, obviously the most important defensive position on the infield and has near elite bat speed at you know, offensively, but on 
And he's only 5'11", but on the mound, he can touch 98-99. He's got a, a plus slider, and he's working on a changeup. And another guy that runs a 6'5", So an incredible athlete in Mason Wynn. And he will, in fact, uh, and, and there's a lot of mosaic, John Mosaic talked with us about, you know, the pressure that he's going to face, you know, trying to serve two masters. But the Cardinals uh, are, are ready to let Mason Wynn give it a shot. Brian, and that's exciting. Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com with us on 101 ESPN talking about the Cardinals draft. How about three, four, and five in those rounds? Where where did the Cardinals go in, in that direction in terms of the draft? Well, before they went to three, four, five, they had a competitive balance round, a competitive balance pick, and a compensation pick for the loss of Marcelo Zuna. Took another high schooler, Tank Hens, uh, a right-handed pitcher, a 17-year-old, so it's going to take some time, but interesting potential. And then Alec Burleson, a, an outfielder from East Carolina who has already signed, and uh, again is another guy that was a two-way player in college, but a left-handed bat has some power potential. Then in the, in the final, uh, in the third and fourth rounds, they took pitchers. They took a pitcher from Oklahoma, Levi Prater, and a Missouri pitcher, Ian Bedell, who a lot of folks know uh, locally. Again, both these young men, while they were um, college juniors, they're only 20 years old. So a lot of development potential. Uh, Prater's a left-hander, Bedell's a right-hander. So uh, both of them, you know, have some opportunity to step into the system and help fill some of that pitching gap. Their final pick in the fifth round, an outfielder from Long Beach State, uh, L.J. Jones the fourth or Leonard Jones um, had a great freshman year at Long Beach State, but then was injured most last year, and then this year only played, of course, in a handful of games. But is again a, another raw, uh, raw talent, only 20 years old. Looks like he has some power potential, and like Burleson, Jones is the second player that the Cardinals have announced signed, and he also signed under slot. So by getting Burleson and Jones under contract, the Cardinals have already put aside close to half a million dollars that they're going to use to sign one of these other five players that, that haven't come on board yet. Brian, what did you see that teams did that the virus dictated with this draft, with this being only five rounds and signability and all the different things going on with kids saying, well, maybe I'll go back or maybe I should come out. What, what did you see the, the direction of the draft go this year because of, of this being so odd? Well, as, as expected, the number, the percentage of high school picks were down overall uh, because of the options that, that players have to go back. Um, but the Cardinals were sort of, you know, moved against that grain uh, by picking, uh, you know, their first three picks as high schoolers. The other thing that I've learned in, in talking with some of the non-drafted free agents that have signed after the draft, the guys that you know, weren't picked in the first five rounds, is that even though they only get $20,000 each to sign, you know, they're happy to take that because they know that the analytics that major league teams have are very, very focused on the age of the player. And so that while a junior or a college senior get another year of eligibility, they can't stop the age clock. So instead of being 22 years old this year, they're going to be 23 years old next year. And that makes them at 23, makes them less appealing to a major league organization than at 22. And so some of them are willing to take less money to get started on their professional career sooner. Now, the reality is, how much sooner can they really get started if games won't be able to be played till next April? And that's a, a different uh, point for a different times. But certainly all these young men who have been signed by the Cardinals or will be signed, you know, will get an opportunity to be indoctrinated into the organization and begin their training and development program under Cardinals, the Cardinals player development uh, staff under Gary LaRock, which they wouldn't if they stayed in school. Yeah, what, what people may not know is that there's the five rounds, and correct me if I'm wrong, and then it's almost like free agency. You can sign for $20,000. 
and uh, you can sign with any team. What what has that been like seeing the 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 recruitment of these kids? And some of these guys are are good players. I mean, the Cardinals made hay on very good players that made it to the big leagues that were not top five round picks. Uh, what has that been like around Major League Baseball to see these kids get signed? It's really interesting, Dan. Um, Baseball America has done a good job of compiling the lists as they're announced. And what you see is a huge difference in how organizations are approaching this free agency of of these non-drafted players. There have been at least three organizations who have not drafted a single player, or not, sorry, not signed a single non-drafted free agent. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got teams like the Royals and the Red Sox and the Cardinals who have picked up eight players, eight, you know, potentially very, very good players at $20,000 each, very, very low investment. And I just don't get why these other organizations are sitting on the sideline while these other teams are scooping up good talent. And I give the Cardinals credit for, you know, it would be easy to lay back and say, well, you know, we got to get rid of all these minor league teams anyway. You know, we're not going to we're not going to sign players, but they're not. They have picked up already eight um, non-drafted free agents, actually more than they drafted. They drafted seven. And, uh, you know, that gives them, again, uh, you know, another leg up in the development side. And they picked up, I think it's four pitchers, a couple outfielders, a third baseman and a catcher. So now we're to 15 players and it feels less like a truncated year, certainly. 15 players are still fewer than would have been drafted in a normal year, but it's not just five rounds. Now the Cardinals have 15 players, assuming they sign everybody that, you know, will be joining the system. How are they recruiting them? What are they doing? Well, they went through the same process that they went through for draft. I mean, you know, they, they scouted the players, they evaluated their tools, they assessed their signability. But then of course the, the the next dimension is, Hey, you know, if you're not drafted, are you willing to sign for $20,000? And that's a, a huge decision. And in that case, you know, the onus is on the player to say, Hey, do I want to sign with the Cardinals? Do I want to sign with the Indians? Do I want to sign with the, but, the I'm, I mean, but I mean, like, Who do what, I want to sign with? yeah, but I mean, like, what are they saying to, to make them and entice them to go to St. Louis or <clears> to <throat> team X? Why are the, why are they saying, Hey, come here. This is the right spot for you. Well, the, the standard answer that we get is that the players look at the opportunity, they look at the history of the organization and how they have fostered and run player development. Are they serious about it? You know, have they done a good job in getting um, you know, non-top drafted players to the major leagues? And the Cardinals have a good reputation there. Now, one of the other areas that has differentiated <clears throat> some organizations is that a couple of the organizations, specifically the Blue Jays, the Cubs, are paying minor leaguers a little higher uh, salary. The Giants also are giving a, a stipend to minor league players for housing. It doesn't look like that's come big into the decision process yet, but I know if I was a young man, I'd be looking at those things as well. In terms of now, if you sign and there's no minor league baseball, what can you do this year specifically for player development? So you're one of those top five uh, round picks, and you're maybe one of the 20,000 uh, signees. What are you doing in terms of this summer trying to stay sharp? Well, I'm sure the Cardinals, once they're signed, I'm sure the Cardinals will evaluate them, and they'll bring them in for a physical course, and they'll give them some type of development program, and they'll be watched and monitored and counseled just like the regular minor league players. I think, you know, one thing that's been talked about and, and is 
probably on the back burner until Major League Baseball solves the bigger issues, but was the potential of an expanded Arizona Fall League type of development program that might be might play later this summer, maybe a little earlier than the fall, that would allow an organization to bring in a full roster of players, not just six or seven or eight. And I would just guess, and again, this is completely my speculation because nobody's talking about it yet, but if I were the Cardinals and I were to bring in a roster of 25, 30 players, I would certainly include those seven draft picks in there to get some indoctrination into the system and maybe, you know, play a little, uh, you know, backfield baseball uh, before this 2020 year is out. Man, this is crazy stuff. Brian, this is great stuff, and I appreciate it. I'm sure you're working busy uh, and being busy right now with this is right <laughs> up your alley with what's happening, and you'll have it covered at thecardinalnation.com. What, what are you working on right now? Well, the, what folks can see uh, when they come will be uh, most recently – uh, we're assessing where these seven players, assuming they sign, would fit in our Cardinal Nation top 50 prospect list. So, you know, where does Jordan Walker fit when you consider him against uh, Andrew Kisner or, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jake Woodford or any of the other guys in the in the system? So we're placing all these guys in the top 50, and we'll be sharing that logic uh, with readers. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll catch you up next week. Take care, Dan. That's Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. The Air Comfort Service text line is open. Also, send us a mic drop. You're listening to Scoops with Danny Mac on a Wednesday on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. It's a regional game now, not a national game. And it, and it worries me tremendously that, you know, if the Pirates were in the World Series, uh, you know, against the Royals, uh, would anyone in L.A. or New York care about that? And if the Yankees are playing the Dodgers, does anybody, you know, in the middle of the country really care about that? that that's what's disturbing to me. I think we have more great players playing right now than any time that that I think I can ever see as far as talent goes but we need to market them better we need to get Mike Trout out there in front of people more often but there's simply no way Mike Trout is ever going to be like LeBron James is in that sport because LeBron James touches the ball in every possession he can dominate any game he's always the best player on the court and it doesn't work that way in baseball. Mike Trout isn't always the greatest player that some of us have ever seen. Tim Kirchin of ESPN earlier with Randy and Michelle. And, boy, he hits on a really important topic when you concern baseball as compared to basketball. It's a regional sport. I mean, baseball has turned into a regional sport. I mean, you think about it, uh, even in your lesser markets, if you will, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, you know, you, you you go to work, you come home, you you turn on your television at seven, and the ratings in those markets, it is the number one thing on television. It is the sport that you watch. It becomes a habit. Six thirty, your pregame show. Seven o'clock, you're watching your baseball team. Here in St. Louis, the ratings are number one. We were number one in baseball. Not just here in St. Louis. We've been number one in St. Louis for over two decades. But we were number one in baseball. It's a baseball town. From the Air Comfort Service text line, 
And the 314, seriously, Danny Mac, you and Randy are St. Louis. Randy has been in this market for so long, so knowledgeable, and one of the nicest people that you'll ever meet. And um, has helped so many people in this town and in this market. And cares about the teams, cares about this town. Let's go to the Rhino Shield Mic drop, and this is Ryan. Hey, what's up, Danny Mac? Uh, quick comment on the draft. I, I really, really liked what Randy Flores did this year. Um, super high upside high school guys in that front half, um, and then he kind of backloaded it with high floor college picks. So really like the process there, and it seems like he's he's done a really great job since taking over. He really has. Tommy Edmond. Cardinals don't make it to postseason play last year without Tommy Edmond. Um, very aggressive draft. Most of the experts this year, and I, I'm a baseball geek, so I, I get into this stuff, and they will sign their number one pick. Um, they they went with guys, as you mentioned, that were kind of risky, but went with some of the high school kids, and then they turned it over to Gary LaRock. And the Cardinals development team is really good, really good. And so it's going to take some time. Time will tell. It, it's a, it's a crapshoot. There's no doubt about that, but you get them into the system, and then you let those guys take over and see what they can do. But there, there's the ceiling of these guys that they say, okay, high ceiling, get them in there, let them work with the team that they got, and Gary LaRock, those people, and kind of polish it, make it into a diamond, get them to the big leagues. Nolan Gorman, good example. High school kids, very, very interesting. Um and one of the things that Tim Kirchin talked about, um, you know, when you think about Mike Trout, if you asked a kid, okay, tell me your top 10 athletes that you're following, they'd be NBA guys and they'd be NFL guys. If you, if you went to a 10-year-old kid and you said, do you know who Mike Trout is? Probably he'd say, yeah, I've heard of him. He'd say, you heard of it. You don't know who he is? Mike Trout may go down as the the best baseball player ever if he had, let's say, 20 years of normal baseball, not anything that's a work stoppage or a strike or a coronavirus that stops a season. And, and Tim talked about the amount of talent that's in the game today. And just off the top of my head, think of the talent that you have going on right now. Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Arenado, who we talked about with Randy and Michelle, Lindor, Rendon. Rendon had an unbelievable season last year with Washington. Steven Strasburg was incredible in the postseason last year. Christian Yelich, how about what he did against the Cardinals last season? Cody Bellinger, an incredible player with the Dodgers. Alex Bregman, and then you add in that you can you can smash a, a trash can, and then you see what he does with that. It's even better. <laughs> Chapman. He's one of the great players that uh, is putting up huge numbers out west with Oakland. He's one of the best players that you, even if you follow baseball, you don't even know about him. But yet, if you really study baseball, he's one of the top five players in the game, glove and at the plate. And yet, people don't know about him. And how do you market the stars? I, I, I've thought a lot about this. And LeBron is marketed so well by ESPN and by the NBA. And you're right. Major League Baseball does not market their stars well enough. And it's a year-round thing, I think, with their players because I think the NBA says, let's get with your social media following. We'll help you 
with a camera crew. We'll follow you behind the scenes. So we'll help you with the production of that, but you've got to give us buy-in behind the scenes. So it's a collaborative production. Um, We tried to do that with the Cardinals. Craig Wilson and our production team did that with... Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader. I thought Harrison Bader did that very well a couple years ago. We did some things behind the scenes with him. Um, and fans really enjoyed it. And we put it on Cardinals.com and the Cardinals uh, Facebook and Twitter page and Instagram. And fans loved it. They loved that kind of stuff. Anything that gives you a peek behind the curtain. But you got to have buy-in by the players. And if your best player wants to do it, you're going to get, uh, you're gonna get response. I was talking yesterday with a friend of mine in Cincinnati and he said to me you know if the the teams don't come together and and the players don't come together and Major League Baseball doesn't come together he said I I am so concerned I said I am too I I said you know if if they don't play because of the economics I'm very concerned I said if they come together and they can't play because of the virus I said that's one thing They, they tried and you know that that you know hey that happens and at least they tried but if it's because of the economics, he said, I'm, I'm very concerned. And he said, you know, we, we've seen across the board in, Saint, uh, you know, in baseball that fans won't come back. There's going to be some fans that don't come back. And I, I started thinking about that. You know, if you go back to 1994 and if you were a kid that was 10 at that point, now you're 35. Now you're a, a grown up. You're the one that buys the ticket, the signage, the suites, and you got turned off by the game. And that's where you got to think about it. If you're a kid that's 10 now and you start jumping ahead the years and you get disenchanted with the sport, that's where you go to Patrick Mahomes in the NFL. That's where you go to LeBron. That's where you go to the MLS. MLS is coming. You have to think big picture. It's not just about the now. It's about the future. That's where I get concerned. I'm always going to love this sport, Colin. I always will. I'm one of those guys that will always be with baseball but maybe i'm an outlier i don't know and there will be people that go back to the game but i love it so much that uh no matter what they do i'll go back whether i did the games or not because i'm a fan i love the sport i played it all my life gave me a you know college scholarship so i'll go back and I, i think it's a beautiful game but i understand that some people think well it's boring it's too slow it's this that and the other i don't like the money I get it. And I get frustrated with all this, too. But, man, I do get concerned about the economics of it and why people would get turned off by it. And that's why it's important to get back on the field. I'd certainly be in the same boat as you. I love the game. There's no way I'm going to give it up, really, no matter what, for me. I say that, but who knows with the way things have been trending, how things can change. But when you think about it, it it really comes back to that marketing aspect that you talked about, Dan, where a lot of these players, they haven't taken full ownership of wanting to brand themselves the same way that NBA players have, the same way that some of these star NFL players have. And it does take that collaborative effort. You have to get everyone on the same page and working in synergy. But the difference is the schedule. Yes. That's a big difference. So if you want to be... So let's 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 look at a baseball player, okay? And I, I, I want to go to Mike Trout, and I say, Mike, um, 
we want to do an at-home with Mike Trout. So I want to see you work out. I want to see you prepare dinner. You have a new baby. I want to see you change the diapers and then uh, hold the bottle and walk with the stroller and go with the dog and push the baby in the swing and all the things that you have to do as a dad, right? And oh, by the way, uh, do the workout and go hitting and you know what I'm saying? Like do a day in the life of Mike Trout. You have to understand though, or any player, you have to understand that Mike Trout is reporting to, and I'm not making excuses, this is reality. Mike Trout, because baseball players now report earlier than than ever. So the official report date for baseball, let's say, I think is like February 11th or 12th. And let's just say, for argument's sake, the Angels go to the World Series, okay? And they go to Game 7. Last year was Game 7 of the World Series. So it didn't end until, what was it, November 1st, maybe, or Halloween or whatever. And so now his his offseason was November, December, January. Well, those are the actual report dates of baseball. Baseball players, I can tell you, a good majority, I would put a percentage of it of 75% of them take maybe two weeks off where they don't touch a ball, a glove, a bat, or a weight. Okay? Two weeks. And they're back at it doing something because they're creatures of habit. So now, if you're asking to do some type of shoot, commercial shoot, that's a two to three to four day shoot to do it properly for a national commercial. So you're asking of their time. Now, they're going to get paid to do it, more than likely. But you're getting my drift here. Absolutely. The schedule is a little bit different. There's more time allowed for an NFL player or a basketball player because the schedule allows itself to to do that. Again, it's not an excuse. It's just the time allotted to do those kind of things to have those players do it is different. Now, you can make the time. You can do it. It's just and and here's the other thing. Again, you got to have buy-in, and not everybody has the personality to want to do that. Right. So can your agent push you to do that, to be the marketable guy? Does Rob Manfred have the uh, personality or relationship with the player to do that? Can your owner say, hey, let's do this for our franchise. This is good for you. It's good branding for you. This might open up some doors for you. It's great for our franchise. Good for the brand of baseball. Hey, some kid may see you. It's great. You know, for me as a kid, I'll give you a great example. I used to watch uh, Johnny Bench every Saturday, you know, and, and watch and listen to Mel Allen do the, the, the voiceover of highlights every every week. I would watch that, you know. This week in baseball, that was a big deal to me. I stopped what I was doing in my backyard to go watch that. That was promotion of the game. I wanted to be those guys on those highlights. You don't see that anymore. You don't. No, and I think you make a great point with the schedule. Your platform is the largest when you're in the middle of that season, when you're on that postseason run. There are rarely off days in the game of baseball. No, you don't have it. You, you get like one, two, three, maybe a month. Yeah. And you're talking about NBA players that have a game every third day about where you have those two off days. Of course, they're working in that off day, but they have much more free time than these Major League Baseball players Some, do. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of, but again, it comes down to the individual having to buy in or your agent convincing you to do it. All right, what we're going to do is cross it over with Ribs and BK. I appreciate all the messages. You guys make me think. Hopefully, I make you think. And uh, it's always fun to do this every day at 10 on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 
Scoops with Danny Mac. We do this every day at 10 on 101 ESPN. Colin Surrey, our producer. I'm Dan McLaughlin. And Rivs and BK are coming up. They'll have you from 11 till 2. And then the fast lane is from 2 to 6. And they'll be at the grand opening of Sports and Social down at Ballpark Village. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good, Danny. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Not sleeping Your well. Your hair looks good today. Because I'm not wearing a hat. I first, know. First I was... time I haven't worn a hat in this studio. First time I've been shaved, uh, shaven, I guess is the right way to say it, right? Shaven, yeah. Yeah, shaven, um, shaved, shaven, whatever, razor to the face in uh, three months during the uh, wow. quarantine. Yeah. What's Big the night occasion? coming up? What's going on? Yeah, like, uh, what? I have to interview Matt Holiday on a uh, Zoom call, so oh, I figured okay. I, yeah, yeah, right. I need to right. look kind of nice. It does yes. sound a little laborious. Okay. Yeah, no Hollywood on us now. Okay, I get Hollywood it. for Holiday. Yes, exactly. That's good. A little one. play on words. You sh- I would like you to use that tonight somehow. Well, it's actually going to be in about a half hour. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would like you to use that then. <laughs> Find a way to get Hollywood into your interview. I will. That's a challenge. I was at uh, on a lake, and a guy had. On the bluff of the lake uh, over the weekend, he had Larry Wood. So I figured his name was Larry, but he had Larry Wood up on the bluff right by his house. And I thought, man, if you got Larry Wood, you are a stud. I, I just I thought it was really nice. That's when you, you know? got bleep you money. Yeah, that's that's what that is. It, there, well, he did because he had a really big boat that was docked <laughs> up, and I was like, dude, you're a stud. Because <laughs> I didn't have a big boat. Some of those boats you see out there, man, it's insane. I just wonder to myself sometimes, like, where where are these people coming from, and what do they do for a living? Well, I can tell you this: they don't do talk radio. Wait, what? <laughs> I can assure you, they that. told me there'd be millions with this. What am yeah. I doing here? I had a professor, the first thing he did in school, the first class, the first class I ever took in, in to learn this great craft, which I still don't know anything about. He got up, took the chalk. Glenn Cerny from Lindenwood University got up and wrote a big dollar sign, okay, and put boom, boom, in the chalk, on the board, and we're all kind of like, wow, what's going on here? And he said, you see that? And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, you're not going to make that if you're in this. <laughs> Does anybody want to still do this? That's what he did. Yeah, let's see where your That's passion is uh-huh. at now. It was a good learning lesson. Especially the first decade or so in this. Like, there, when you say you're not going to make any of this, it's you're not going to make any yeah. of this. But you have fun. It's and you get best. to have great people like you in this, so it's all oh, good. Thank you, Dan. Just pointing at Jamie Rivers as he said that, of course. Well, that's okay. <laughs> you guys are great. BK, you're the best. BK, what do you have coming up, buddy? Well, we've got uh, Chris Kerber coming up at 1130. We'll talk with Danny Mack, yourself coming up at 1 o'clock. And I want to talk about this NBA and Disney World thing because I got to be honest, a lot of people are talking about how difficult this is going to be. It sounds Awesome. So we'll start with that coming up. Sounds like a really cool vacation. You know, that's, that's what I was like a, a road trip with your boys, and you just get to like play around and play some games. Yeah, just no what doubles in ping pong, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no doubles, doubles in ping pong. No doubles. Yes. All right, guys. Looking forward to it. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.